From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and self-acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Lana, a house music producer and DJ from New York. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being willing to come on and share your story with our audience. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm very excited. Let's go ahead and jump into your story. My favorite question in the early portion is, how did you choose your name? When I like first transitioned, the gender clinic that I was going to was like pressuring me really hard to change my name immediately because the name change process takes some time. Um, so like, I was going by Riley for a little bit in the beginning, right, which okay. I thought I liked and like quickly realized I did not like. My mom is like really into genealogy and she was like also upset that I got rid of a family name for a non-family name. So she like helps me do some research on our family to maybe find like a better name in the family that I liked. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother's sister, so my grand aunt, I guess, um, was gay, was a lesbian and was like disowned by the family like in the 50s. She like came out like very early, like in the 50s or something. And mm-hmm. uh, her name was Alana. And so... I don't know. I just felt like um, that's like the only other person I know of in our family that's queer or gay or lesbian or anything like that. So I was like, yeah, that's the one. And then I ended up after I tried it for a bit, I ended up really, really liking it. And I feel like it fits me really well. And uh, my friends feel the same way. So I'm very that's how I picked it. And I'm really happy with it. When I chose Riley and then like people started like texting me Riley and stuff and like guy calling me Riley and I was like wait that doesn't fit and then when I when I changed it to Alana it was almost immediate like okay yeah that feels way better I really like feel like that's that's me Mm -hmm. when like from from almost the first time I heard it I was like yeah that's way more me and when did you chop off the first A and, and start to go by Lana um Almost immediately, I think. Um, my friends started doing it. I didn't really pick. Okay. And then my whole Twitter personality became Lana. So now basically everyone knows me as Lana. I think most people don't even realize my name is Alana. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was basically immediate. When did you first realize you were trans? I had like an idea of it when I was like a little kid. Um, And I would be, like, very drawn to doing feminine things and wanting to be feminine and spending no time with other boys my age and just hanging out with my cousin, who's, like, a sister to me and all her friends. I really didn't think... It's, like, I didn't think that I was trans. I thought that I was just, like, queer and weird for a while. I kind of got, like, hit with the epiphany that it's, like, not something that I'm choosing to do. It's much more like who I am and intrinsic to how I act. That was kind of like the first indication that I'm probably trans. Mm -hmm. So looking back kind of at your your history growing up, what were some of the clues that like you would you are able to look back now and go, oh, um, (laughs) these were all breadcrumbs that led to this anyways. When I was like eight years old, I demanded that my cousin and her friends give me like a full face of makeup and like dress me in their clothes Hmm. and was like really happy about it (laughs) when they did it. 
Um, that was one big one. Another one that's like hilarious to me because like why did my parents not think about this? But there was like there was like this toy back in like the mid to late nineties that was like kinda like a Barbie doll, but it had wings and there was like a pull cord on it. And you would like oh. pull this cord and the doll would like fly away, like and there yeah. It's literally the one that I made my mom buy me. It's like the mermaid fairy and she's like riding dolphins on the wave on the stand for the court and it's literally like light blue and bubblegum pink with like white accents it's literally trans colors <laughs> uh so I, I just find that funny but yeah i demanded she buy it for me my mom was like why do you want this i was like i need it and then another really big one was like i like i had several babysitters and like the move was always to like take me to mcdonald's and like, when you would get a Happy Meal back then, like, in the drive-thru, the way it worked is, like, the cashier would, like, look at the child and decide which gender they are. And so <laughs> I would always get the boy's toy in the bag, and I would be, like, tapping the babysitter, being like, can you, can you make them give me the girl's toy? <laughs> I want the girl one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was just stuff all like that. And then later on, like, probably as early as, like, 11 i was like starting to compile my own cache of like girls clothing and i guess you could say i was cross-dressing but yeah i would just like i didn't i wasn't i hadn't hit puberty yet so i didn't realize that like sexuality even existed i was just like i like these clothes more Uh so it's really interesting to me that i don't know it took even as long as it did because it's kind of obvious once you've realized that what it is, is that you're trans, how did you come to terms with that? It sounds like since you had like such strong leanings and strong inclinations as a kid, maybe it wasn't such a big shift for you. No, it was definitely uh, a hard shift. And also I had experienced from like doing femme stuff and being that way through mm-hmm. the school system, I experienced a lot of like, f-slur type you know ostracization from like the rest of the school kids it's definitely an outcast for being queer from the beginning Mm. so by the time i realized i was trans and was like just reaching adulthood i was like already kind of uh like coded in my mind it's like that's bad like being being that way is bad it's gonna make people not like you Coming to terms with it took a really, really long time. Uh, from the moment, like, I thought I might be trans, I was like, all right, let's close the book on that. Let's not address that at all. And mm-hmm. let's just keep going for several years. Uh, and then I did not transition until much later. Um, so it, it was a shift. Uh, coming to terms was really easy once I had support, once I actually told someone, which I never did for a really long time. I was just dissociating into work or school or music um, to kind of just like ignore that part of myself. Um, So yeah, once I had a chance to get rid of all that and have support for once, it was actually really quick. Hmm. Yeah, you mentioned in the pre-interview that you had first dove into music and kind of made that your thing. And then you actually made a, a, a physical move and transitioned in a different state. Can you talk a little bit about um, about what made that shift and, and why you left where you were? 
Yeah, definitely. I started my music career like while I was, um, I like started while I was still in high school in New York City. Um, and then I went to college at the University of Buffalo, Buffalo, New York. <clears throat> and I started getting like actual gigs and getting paid for it when I was still in school. Um, and so I started my career and like released my first few records and got signed to the first three labels when I was still in Buffalo. And then I moved to Boston um, to be in like a more uh, like a vibrant scene for the music. Hmm. And um, yeah, that so in Boston was where I kind of like moved to transition from but i the problem was is that like like i had dysphoria and i like had you know problems like being myself for obvious reasons because i'm trying to be someone i'm not and um so like i was definitely drinking a lot there's definitely a lot of alcoholism and the reason that i moved was because i was so deeply in repression that I thought that my problems were that I didn't have a real job and that I was abusing alcohol too much. So I moved to North Carolina to get a real job, quote-unquote real job at an office, and uh, become sober and all of that. So I did those things, and then I, like, achieved success or whatever by their metric, and I was, like, still really sad and still really upset. And I was like, oh, wait, maybe there's something else at play here. Um, so I ended up transitioning in North Carolina because that was where I realized that my first assessment of what was wrong with my life was not accurate at all. <laughs> um, so that was kind of the story of how I went from, like, the North, Boston, to, to North Carolina, how I ended up there. And what was the what was the spark? What was the catalyst there in North Carolina that actually made you realize that oh yeah, that whole thing about me being trans like this is what I need to do right now? I like had I think mild dysphoria not tied to any specific physical part of my body for my entire life. I just felt like I wasn't able to ever be myself and couldn't figure out why. And I've always had, like, low amount of androgens my entire life, so I didn't grow, like, facial hair. I used to get made fun of in school in the locker room for not having any hair in my armpits. True story. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I started getting chest hair when I was, like, 24, like, super late. When I was in North Carolina one night, I was looking in the mirror after I showered, and I realized that this, like, small tuft, that had been growing like from a few tiny hairs for the last few years was about to become big enough that it was going to like connect with my nipples and create this like bar of hair on my chest. Mm -hmm. And I had like a serious panic attack dysphoria moment, which was a, a first for me. And I like freaked out and I shaved all of the hair off my chest and legs and my girlfriend at the time was very cis and very straight and not queer, came home and was like, why are you smooth like a dolphin? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I think I have some gender issues. And she was like, what does that mean? Started immediately tying it to like sexuality. And I was like, I actually have no answers for you. Like, I've never even really addressed this. 
but I think I know that that is the problem. And so um, that was kind of like the, the event that like really put it in perspective for me. And also like she left after that, like we broke up. It was not, there was no period where we were together after I told her that. Um, it was an immediate split basically. The night that I told her that that all happened was the night before I had to fly to New York to do like manager's training um, Mm -hmm. to learn how to become like a manager or whatever. And when I got back, it was like a movie where like you, like they open the door with the key and like there's no furniture left. There's just like craters on the carpet where furniture used to be. And the dog was gone. The TV was gone. It was really sad. It was like one chair in an empty room. Mm. And there was like no note or anything. She literally just disappeared. And I, and I, yeah, I never saw her again until about three or four years afterwards at a club in New York. And she avoided me. We did not speak. Hmm. And then about a year ago, she mysteriously followed me on Instagram. And we still have not spoken. But yeah, she disappeared. She was not ready for her partner to be queer and she said that and I I believe the exact quote was I agreed to date a straight man a straight cis man I like that's who you presented yourself as to me and that's who you are to me so I feel betrayed in a way so obviously someone who feels like that is not it's not gonna go anywhere anyway uh, I think that's a very standard response. You were saying that she was conflating gender with sexuality. What was it she said to you? Yeah, okay, so exact quote when I was like, I'm pretty sure I am having gender issues. She said, what does that mean? Does that mean that you want guys to fuck you in the ass? And I was like, I, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> like, I literally don't know yet. Uh but, like, yeah, it, it, she, like, never got it. That was, like, one of the only questions she asked. So it kind of, like, I don't know, symbolizes, I think, how a lot of cis people approach transness. Yeah. Um, so hopefully she's grown in recent years. But, yeah, I'm never going to forget that line because, yeah, it's absurd. And it also kind of cracks me up now, now that it's so far in the rear view. I can laugh about it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was literally what she said, word for word. Did your sexuality change? Did you find yourself more interested as you went through your transition to um, the opposite sex? Part of, like, dissociating your entire life and repressing and ignoring your transness is, like, also ignoring most of yourself in general. Like, I don't think I ever started to understand myself on any significant level until I started transitioning and putting hormones in my body. Um, So, like, I would do stuff and I wouldn't even know why I was doing it or if I even liked it. I guess I was low-key bisexual, like straight passing, like never actually dated a guy, but had like plenty of hookups. And um, so as I like get to understand myself and I'm like farther and farther in a transition, I don't know if it's dominant over women. I still identify as bisexual. I'm open about that now, whereas I wasn't before. Mm-hmm. but yeah like i i never would have been able to tell you why i was attracted to a man before and like now i'm like okay yes i can that man is hot and i can tell you exactly why um and yeah so i found that it shifted for sure but it maybe didn't shift so much as it just was focused in perspective way better 
Did you have anyone to turn to? Did you have like a role model or a confidant, someone to talk to or at least look up to in what, you know, basically a roadmap for how to transition? I actually did not, although I remember like meeting a trans woman at an event, like some party or rave that I was spinning and we like hung out one time after that i was like <laughs> so funny in retrospect i probably literally just wanted to like be around a trans person to like normalize it for myself but um this was probably a few months before the like dysphoria episode but she was like yeah like why she was asking me all the classic questions like she was like well do you feel like you'd be happier if you're a girl and like um just those types of questions i was like yeah of course like definitely like but xyz so and so whatever excuse i had at the time and i something that she said really really definitely stuck with me she just very flatly like looked at me and was like you you know you can just like take estrogen right like if you don't like it you can just stop like it's not a big deal like you can literally just do that and i think at the time i was like no you can't that sounds like a very big thing mm-hmm. it's gonna change my whole life da 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 but she ended up being right like just matter of factly that's true like it's not such a big deal if it's right for you you'll know pretty quick and if it's not uh, similarly you'll know pretty quick um so i had that moment and then also i like on that trip to new york right after i had that blowout with my girlfriend at the time i was there for work but like i was definitely going out at night because nightlife is like my thing dancing is what i love to do so I met a girl and I like told her the story of what had happened and she was like, oh wow, that's not cool. I actually think like it's super cool that you're finding yourself. And so I had a lot of support from her. She was at, she was cis, she wasn't trans, but um, I think just having the support from her was enough for me to be like treating it seriously for once and then doing my own research. I think in the beginning, um, I crushed on Reddit a lot. Um, and I learned a lot from people who were just going through it, like, at the time. And I, I think I got too much information, and I honestly wouldn't recommend, like, roadmapping your transition from people on the internet, because everyone is definitely different, and everyone's transition looks different. But um, those two people definitely stick out of my mind, and also the online trans community was kind of probably the, the role models that I had at the time. Mm-hmm. So when it came time to come out to more people, you know, your, your significant other, you did that, not didn't go so well. No, not at all. Was it really hard for you then to come out to family? Because of the way that it worked out with my girlfriend at the time, I think that subconsciously I was really, really afraid to come out to other people that I loved and that I cared about. Um, Namely my family and mostly my mom because we're super close and we always have been. Hmm. Um, So I, for a really long time, I was like working during the week at my tech job in an office wearing like collared shirts and stuff. And then... Friday would hit and I would go like from the office to the airport and fly to New York literally every week. So I was up, I was being myself, was being femme and trans in New York and no one really knew, no one in my life knew. And then I would come back and do my thing during the week. 
So it actually took uh, like a long time, like over a year, and there was some bumps along the road that made it hard, made it feel like it would be hard still in addition to the girlfriend thing. So it probably took like maybe like a year and two months, something like that. But I eventually did tell my mom. And then after I told my mom, and it went way better than my girlfriend at the time, uh, then everything became easier. I think I told everyone else about three months after that. So it was kind of quick once I finally did. But it definitely took time. It took a lot of time to build up that courage to feel like it was the right idea. It was really important for me to come out to my mom face to face Mm -hmm. because I wanted her to see that I was really sincere. And also, I think I get scared with like boomer type characters that they are very dismissive of stuff that they don't understand. Um, So I didn't want to give the opportunity for dismissal like a text or a letter might do. So I um, asked my mom if we could just like go out to dinner really late. It was like 10 p.m. We like went to a cafe. I asked them to seat us in like the way back in the corner. I feel like in my memory, there was like not even lights on back there. It was like dark. Uh, So they're like very out of the way. And we sat down at the table and I literally just started crying. And I'm pretty sure I cried for like 10 minutes straight, unable to formulate any words. And my mom was like, all right, you have to tell me you're freaking me out. Like, what, what's going on? Like, you're crying a lot. And I was like, mom, I'm living a lie. I'm not the person you think I am. She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, I'm a woman. And she literally, without missing a beat, she goes, I know. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I know. You have like, women's clothing and dildos and all this sorts of stuff hidden in your room. It's like, Mom, you're not supposed to know about that! Ah. She was like, and then literally right after that, my mom is the crazy person. She Right after that, she was like, well, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, I don't know. It was hard enough to, like, do just this, just to, like, tell you. Yeah. Uh, and she was like, yeah, well, you got to do something about it. And I was like, okay, relax. Like, I need a minute to, like, you know, ground myself. Like, <laughs> all right, we gotta do something. <laughs> like, I went to, I like went to work for the next three days, and then like on the third day, I came home, and I was super exhausted, and I was like trying to just go to sleep immediately. My mom was like, uh, "By the way, I did something, but you can't be mad at me. I did something, but you can't. You're not allowed to be mad." And I was like, "What are you, mom? You can't start a statement saying I did something and then put." The caveat that I can't be mad. I 100% reserve the right to be mad. But what did you do? So she's like, well, I called the gender clinic and I made an appointment for you just, just, just to get your blood work done and just to see where you're at, you know, and just like set you up with someone to talk to you about it. And like, get on hormones if you want, if you want. But she was literally like shoving me into it. So the punchline and the joke I always tell about that story is that my mom forced on me. And now here I am. <laughs> It was really unexpected. Like I said, my mom is a crazy person. Uh, I love her so much. She has, since then, been by far my biggest supporter in my transition. And we have a more healthy relationship now than we ever have. And it's truly a gift. And I'm very grateful for everything happening the way that it did. I've spoken to a lot of trans people, and 
it's certainly a very unique way for things to unfold with the mother. So, uh, like I said, I'm super grateful. Mm-hmm. Did you have any other particularly interesting stories for coming out with either <laughs> successes or failures? Yeah, uh, I made like the obligatory Facebook post on Trans Day of Visibility uh, the first March 31st following when I had come out to my mom. So I came out to my mom in November. So the following March, which was like four months later, three months on hormones. I made like a really, really long post. And it, the way the Facebook algorithm works, it's like, it took off with like the people that actually know me. And so it started being like, oh, let's show this post to literally everyone you've ever met. Like people from high school that you haven't spoken to in several years. Like we're just going to show everyone this post. And it started, it became really overwhelming really, really quickly. Uh, and I had a panic attack that day and was freaking out. It was like, oh my God, maybe this was the wrong decision to do that. I'm freaking out. Um, so I would say that that was perhaps maybe not a failure, but certainly not a success. Mm-hmm. I would say I caution people to do that to make sure that they're really ready, that they want like everyone, everyone to know in their lives. I still think that it's probably a good idea to do like a public post of that nature, but um, I maybe did it too quick and too hasty and maybe on the wrong platform. Maybe I should have done Instagram. I don't know. But yeah, it, that was definitely one that sticks out. Um, and I guess the only other thing is that like, I was scared that people wouldn't like me or would turn on me or whatever. And I would say like 98% of everyone that I knew in person that was actually in my circle was incredibly supportive. Uh, and there was like, a 2% of, like, some cis male friends I had that just kind of cut all ties. I think they probably found it pretty weird. So I think one thing I'm just, it's, I'm just grateful for the fact that it was so many people mm-hmm. where I really thought it might be like a 50-50. It was like a 98-2. So that was a success. That was a nice turn of events, I think. Uh, people were really great. I think, like, in the dance music community, it's, house music and dance music is so tightly woven with queer culture mm-hmm. and it's very literally queer music queer people invented house music so i think like that has a lot to do with it because my community is already so deeply intertwined with with queerness that um it's not a stretch for a lot of people to see you and appreciate you in that way did you have anybody that that supported you that surprised you no i was surprised at the sheer number of people that were supportive i would say one thing that's kind of related to that though is that my father did not speak to me for a full year uh he got news about it from i think probably my mom and he did not speak to me for like a full year and i was very determined to show him that like I'm a person and this is who I am and like please see me and respect me and love me as your child even though you know I might not be the way that you thought I was initially and so it took a really really long time I eventually had to literally drive to his house (laughs) like eight hours to his house and like knock on his door like because he wouldn't answer any texts or emails or anything and he was like can I help you? Like, you, like, did not know the 
strange woman at his door for like full 30 seconds. And then he like slowly started to realize, like, could see it in his face. And then we both started crying. And then a like five to six hour questionnaire period then happened where he asked me like literally every annoying question that cis people ask. But it's okay because like I wanted him to get that out of his system because that is really what humanized me to him and that's really what I think made the difference for him to be able to see my identity as legitimate and to see that I was still his child and that I still loved him and that it was important for me to have him in my in my life. And I think that was the biggest thing. And then after that we slowly started building a relationship where now we talk somewhat regularly. He still kind of ignores my calls sometimes, but it's like I almost didn't have him in my life. So I was really surprised that we were able to turn that around. It took a lot of work and effort on my part, but I I'm I'm I was surprised by that and I'm super grateful that he decided to be open at the end of the day. Uh, when did you first find a community that you felt a part of, like, you know, a, a trans community that were peers for you? Oddly enough, it was 100% Twitter <laughs> because I was, like, living at home, kind of transitioning, um, and I lived at home. I was, like, I didn't really pass well at all in the beginning, and I didn't want to go outside, but I also did not have it within me to, like, boy mode and then, like, be on hormones. I know a lot of people do that, and I'm not I'm not down-talking that. I know that that is a personal choice, but for me, it actually was driving me insane. So I was kind of an indoor cat for several months, and then I moved back to North Carolina to be with a um, partner... And I had a job lined up, and it was literally the week that COVID started that I, like, got there. So everything shut down, and I ended up being in quarantine for however long. So I think I was, it was in quarantine for maybe, like, a month and a half. And I was, like, still dealing with a lot of internalized transphobia around my old friends. I was like, okay, yeah, they, like, accepted me quote-unquote, but, like, do they really accept me, or are they just being polite? I think that's a question that runs through every trans person's head. Mm -hmm. So I I was, like, avoiding all the old social media platforms that I was established on, and Twitter was the one thing that I had, like, never done before. I was like, oh, okay, I can just go build, like, my online persona as myself on Twitter because I'm not connected with anyone there. And um, it almost... Like, it was instantly, like, a community on there that I really, really valued. And Mm. the way all the girls, like, build each other up and just tell funny jokes that, like, only we get and, like, or trans people only would understand. And, like, I've had so many instances of girls having a breakdown on the timeline and people will reach out via DM. Um, You know, like, these people really care about each other. Obviously, it's social media, so that's, like, there's some vapidness too but like i more than any other platform uh i have found community in twitter and it's to the point now where i've met up with like maybe 15 20 different people from around the country from that app uh and just like we've like hung out in person and are like good friends 
So I still don't really have an in-person trans community. Um, but the online trans community is like totally invaluable to me. You, you had a, a traumatic, traumatic incident where you were attacked and you told me last night that that really put your transition on hold. Um, let's talk a little bit about that and, and what you meant by, by that. In the beginning, I was so happy and excited to be myself that I don't think I was even processing that like bad stuff could happen. Um, so this really terrible thing happened to me and it was like really difficult to deal with. It was kind of like a 180 where I somehow told myself and this is, in retrospect, this is just a very knee-jerk trauma reaction to something so serious. But um, I was like, well, this happened to you because you're trans. And, like, if you weren't trans, then this wouldn't happen to you at all. Um, so I, I, like, decided to flush my hormones down the toilet and no longer take them. And, um, I, I didn't, like, detransition because I didn't stop, like, being femme. I didn't stop, like, embracing who I was. I just went off the hormones and stopped, like, being outwardly that way. Uh-huh. And that was a really, really, really bad decision. I don't recommend, <laughs> if you figure yourself out, I don't recommend uh, ignoring that. Um, uh-huh. So... Yeah, that was kind of what happened, and it that lasted for like almost a full year. Um, I started drinking a lot again after a long period of sobriety. Almost instantly after that event happened, I was drinking every day, a lot, every day. Um, and that coupled with the no hormones really made it uh, just a chaotic life, and I had to lose a lot to realize that um, I had made the wrong decision. Um, I had to lose, like, my job and my house and my car. Or, or, like, I had to sell my nice car and get a much worse car because I couldn't afford the payments after I lost my job. So whatever, I had to lose basically everything to realize that uh, it's it's not something that I can just change it's not something i can turn off and turning it off was very much going to kill me like in somewhat short order in your transition have your goals shifted what you said that you went on reddit and you kind of like had this whole roadmap for everything you wanted to do did um since you've gotten into it have you shifted what you're looking to do yeah i think like the first year of hormones, I was really obsessed with transitioning properly, right? Like, I was very obsessed with um, making sure that I was feminizing myself physically as efficiently as possible. Uh, There's some older trans ladies I would speak to that would mention that in the 80s and stuff, uh, like, with, like, mismatched dosing and, um, like, just us not understanding the science very well at all, that some girls would get stuck with, like, half 
way feminized would still retain some masculine features. So I was really, really focused on like just making sure that my physical transition was like uh, successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after after maybe like a year and a few months, um, when stuff started like calming down with COVID, at least on the East Coast, I started getting back into music because I was able to realize that like that's really what I love in life and what I was good at. So I think my goal now is to is to really be like there's a lot of exciting trans artists in house and despite trans people contributing so much to house music in the beginning just like everything we have definitely not been recognized for that Hmm. and we're not treated like uh the shepherds of that scene like we should be so um i i'm like now more focused on making sure that like i'm visibly trans and i'm in the scene that i love and i part of what made me comfortable doing it was seeing other trans djs and like there was only a few like three or four years ago and there's so many more now and i really like being a part of that reclamation movement where we're really reclaiming this music for our culture and our people because it very much was co-opted by straight white men for a very long time so at this point in your transition what forms of dysphoria do you still struggle with are have you been able to essentially get through those facial hair hits uh i wake up in the morning and there is literal hair growing on my face (laughs) that one i don't think is ever gonna stop hitting I have blonde facial hair, so I need to locate the finances for electrolysis. It's extremely expensive. Um, can't do that yet. Uh, so that one hits. Uh, sometimes I'll have like a recurring dream where like I meet like a really cute guy and like we like really get along super well and like we start kissing and he touches my face and it has hair on it and he like freaks out. And like calls me names and like storms off. That is literally a recurring nightmare. Mm. Um, so that's maybe the biggest one. And then the other one is that I have really broad shoulders and like rib cage, probably a wider sternum than the average. And so um, I think that I maybe mess up some of my HRT. I was taking a lot of cues from the internet because I didn't really have a doctor at all to help me with it. So, um, for whatever reason, I think that I maybe, like, mess up my breast development. So I have, like, a 36-inch underbust and chest, but very, very small breasts that, to me, like, I've had other girls be like, they look cute and nice, but to me, it looks very... They don't look like full breasts. They look like very, like, almost, like, in-development breasts that are very far away from one another. That Mm -hmm. one's tough to look at in the mirror. And I definitely, like, the facial hair is, like, ongoing. That one is, like, I'll get waves of it where I'm, like, oh, my God, I hate this. It's, like, when I'm laying in bed at night right before I go to sleep, I'm, like, 
how can I fix this? Why didn't I just stay on pills? I should have just stayed on pills. It was working. I don't have really any bottom dysphoria. In fact, bottom surgery kind of scares me. I feel like there's a lot of time before we really have a good number of surgeons that are extremely proficient in that surgery. Um, so hopefully if that day does come, I think that I would prefer to have GRS, but for the most part, my dysphoria is centered in my face and chest. So what is it that you do on a day-to-day basis in your regular life to find validation in your identity as a woman? Uh, Makeup feels really good. Um, I worked really hard, really long time to try and get good at makeup. Um, Seeing myself with like a nice face of makeup definitely lifts my spirits. Um, and just clothing because like I love fashion I've loved clothing my entire life I definitely had some drip when I was pretending to be a boy but uh, I never really like liked the clothes I just knew how to be stylish so like like actually being excited about the clothing that I can buy and stylize is huge for me like it makes a world of difference mm-hmm. um, and so I think those two are the biggest things. And then also something that really, like, gives me euphoria and specifically, like, in my transness and, like, the fact that I am a trans woman. Like, trans women are women, yeah, but, like, we're different from cis women. And I'm also a queer woman, which is different from a straight woman. So I get tons of euphoria from house records because that's, that's our music. And I keep saying that over and over again, but it really can't be understated how deeply intertwined house music and queer culture is. So, like, if I'm having a dysphoric day and I listen to some of my favorite house records, I it it's a significant antidote, and it always works. And I, yeah, I don't think I'll ever get over what a sweet, sweet medicine that is. What have you been able to accomplish because of your transition? (laughs) Self-love. I think, uh, yeah, just on a mental level, I, um, I never really had anyone show me proper love as a child. Both my parents, when I was a kid, were, um, addicts and, like, not really around, so... I never really learned how to be, like, an emotionally functioning human being. Um, So transition definitely gave me the keys to access self-love and an emotion. And I think about that all the time. Another thing my transition has been able, that I've been able to accomplish, because I've been so public with it on Twitter, um, I've had multiple people reach out to me and tell me that my tweets helped them decide to transition or that I made a positive influence in their life or that I, for one reason or another, my proudness of being trans and my outspoken, you know, um, affinity for it has helped them come to terms with it themselves. So... I I think that's like maybe the biggest thing that I I feel like I accomplished was I was able to like reach some other people that somewhat benefited at least at some level from 
me being myself and not being afraid to mm-hmm. be open about who I am. And so from those interactions and what you've learned through your transition, what advice do you have for young or closeted trans people out there? Listen to yourself. Listen to your body. Listen to your heart. Literally, society and external factors don't matter. They do not matter. I feel like early transition, pre-transition people, it's really easy to focus on all the things you might lose. And I think it's really important to refocus on everything that you can gain and trust me you will gain uh, an immeasurable amount uh in your in yourself and in your heart and i would say another piece of advice i touched on it before but um just like stay the course find a hrt regimen that works that feels like it's working you have good levels you feel like you're getting the fat redistribution and the growth that you want and don't change it. I like had one speed bump and thought because I like read on the internet so much, I thought that like maybe Spiro was the problem and that I like had to switch to injections and ended up switching pretty early, like five months in. And like I said, I won't get into all of it, but I really do think that might have affected breast development. So, And also the thing is, we don't understand any of this. Like, gender science is still in the Stone Age, basically. So who really knows? But um, just relax is my basic point. Is like, just start your hormones. Don't worry about whether it's going right or not. If your levels are good, your levels are good. Just relax. Enjoy that those early few months. And don't worry about anything that's going to come down the road. Just be mindful for that moment and enjoy the fact that you're accessing yourself finally at last. Thanks for listening to this episode of the transgender show from the transverse network. Watch this show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash the transverse. You can also find it and our other great shows at youtube.com slash the transverse. Be sure to follow our guest Lana on Instagram at estrozeneca. If you love what we're doing and want to support the transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash the transverse.